Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick, and I'm back. It's been a little busy the last few weeks, you know, finally starting to get consistent on killing these coyotes. Um, as a matter of fact, it's Halloween today when I'm recording this. You guys will be listening to it a little bit later, but, uh, you know, October is, has flown by already. Um, and, uh, you know, I consider myself off to a great start on another coyote season. So I've had a couple coyote classes um filmed a hunt in nevada getting ready to film uh some some hunts here in colorado you know the last stands kicked off now we're three episodes deep into that so hopefully we've been able to catch those um but nah just we finally got our first snow of the year um this last weekend during the coyote class we got uh you know an inch of snow inch or two of snow it was 35 degrees which uh i wasn't quite ready for i'm still you know was excited about killing coyotes and hoodies but uh, that changed real quick but Tis this time of year, you give it a few weeks and it changes right back. We're going to be back in the high 60s, maybe even low 70s by the end of the week. So uh, it is still fall. But, uh, you know, on this podcast, um, got a guy by the name of Sean Giblin. He's uh, kind of reached out to me, you know, half a year ago or so about the podcast. We got to just, uh, you know, sending emails back and forth. And I thought, you know, it'd be fun to have him on the podcast. He's got a kind of a, a unique story. So, um anxious to kind of see where that goes and and see what we get out of that but uh, should be a fun one but before we jump into that i need to need to thank the sponsors of this, of this episode which are hornady and lucky duck predator calls now if you're on social media i'm sure you saw the buzz here recently about hornady launching its new 22 arc ammunition line now i've had a few guys reach out to me no i don't have a 22 arc yet i'm not shooting it um i don't really know if i will or not you know i started looking at the ballistics of it um, you know, it's going to be a bigger bullet than that 53. I think it's maybe like a 67 grain ELDX potentially is the smallest one. I tell you, it's going to be going out of a 24 inch barrel. I think it's going maybe 3,300, almost 3,400 feet per second. So velocity wise, it'd be very similar out of a 18 inch barrel to what my 53 grain shooting. But, uh, I like the concept, especially these guys that, that want a little more long range capabilities out of an AR 15 platform. So, um, I'm not probably going to jump on the bandwagon quite yet. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of manufacturers out there. I think that are, are even making 22 arc barrels, let alone uppers and things like that. I'm sure that'll come along here over the next few months. We'll start seeing more and more, but, uh, but yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'm curious to have some conversations with some guys that, that start shooting it, um, and, and see how they like it, but it's something new and exciting anyway, you know? So if you haven't seen it, you want to check out some stats on it see what that 22 arc is capable of. You can go over to hornady.com and uh, check out everything there. Now with lucky duck, I've, I've been using a couple of different calls already this year. I've used the revolt. Um, I've used the super revolt. Um, you know, they're both great. I, you know, for sometimes I just like to mix it up a little bit, you know, um, it took some time, you know, I don't hunt coyotes for like seven months. So, you know, those first few times of the season here, getting that remote in my hand, I kind of, you know, forget a little bit about where the buttons are, but it's almost like riding a bike. Like as soon as I get to using it, like muscle memory takes over again. And I kind of know where those buttons are. And really that's a huge part of, of coyote hunting is just the familiarity you have with your remote and your e-call and how fast you can get to sounds and things like that, you know, and, and I've talked about it before. The great thing about these lucky duck predator calls is your ability to switch the sounds, add sounds, change sounds, change folder names, you know, I, I really simplify mine. I pull the SD card out of the back of the call, pop it into my laptop. I start getting rid of a lot of folders. 
Um, you know, I want, I want to be able to navigate on my remote screen as fast as I can to get to sounds that I need quickly. Cause usually when you're in that sort of a situation, you're trying to mix through sounds to try to potentially get some coyotes to circle back in, pop back up over the hill so you can get a shot, you know, switch sound, whatever. And you're only limited to two or three presets. So, you know, I condense everything down to like four folders, you know, I'm put, you know, the eight or 10 sounds I use 90% of the time, I put them in one folder. Then I might have one folder with a variety of howls. Then I have a hung up folder, which is the sounds I use if I get a coyote that checks up out there and I just need to try to throw the kitchen sink at them. And then I have another folder with raccoon sounds, but that's how simple my SD card is. Um, But I can get to things super easy. But, uh, you know, Rick's put out a lot of new sounds that you can uh, add on to your Lucky Duck Call, you can go over to his website, which is verminatorpc.com to, to see those new sounds. But, uh, you know, if you're in the market for a new e-call, wanting to upgrade, um, you know, five lines of e-calls now that uh, you can pick from, from about every price point possible. So uh, probably the easiest thing to do is swing over to the Lucky Duck website, which is just luckyduck.com. And uh, you can go to their predator hunting section and uh, start looking through those, those e-calls and see which one uh, fits what you need. Well, Sean, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast, man. Welcome. Thank you. You know, this is this is kind of an interesting conversation we're going to have. You know, I like to give everybody a little backstory on, you know, I guess I don't know you real well. Um, you know, you kind of hit me up a while back, um, you know, about podcast and, and storytelling and things like that. And I was kind of intrigued by, it. you know, the whole part of podcasts is a lot of it for me anyways, telling stories. Um, and it just seemed like you had a, a really cool background in that, but not only that, you're an avid predator hunter as well. So I thought, yeah, you know absolutely. what, let's get you on the podcast. Let's talk a little bit more <laughs> about this and, uh, see what we can get uh, nailed down. Right on, man. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the risk because who knows what I'm going to say. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know with those coyote hunters, man. You, you just never know. That's you know? right. <laughs> So I mentioned a little bit about the storytelling. Let's just start by kind of giving me a rundown of what what your background is as a as what what you consider your real job. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, I think everybody's background. You know, you got to kind of start at the beginning, right? Yeah. Uh, all good stories have a have a great beginning, and so mine started actually in England. That's where I was born. Uh, so I was born in England, and uh, I ended up moving over to the United States when I was nine. But when I was a young kid, uh, my parents divorced and my mom was a single mom and she worked, you know, all the time. And so my granddad raised me in a pub in England is basically like where my childhood was. So, you you know, your imagination can run wild with yeah. that. Um, and, you know, my granddad would give me a shandy uh, and stick me in the corner and I'd play dominoes with these old timers. Right. These retired guys. Some of them were in the war and they would just tell stories all day and uh they were all huge western fans like cowboys you know cowboy movies and stuff and there was always a cowboy show playing on the tv in the pub and they all loved like tex ritter and you know johnny cash and so i was surrounded by you know back then man there wasn't phones or facebook or you know i mean there were phones but social media wasn't a thing so some guy, some old guy would come in the bar and it would be like storytelling time. You know, he'd sit down and just start unloading these incredible stories. And so from an early age, I really learned the value of storytelling, right? 
Um, and, and these, these guys had such character and emotion and passion when they told the stories. And so, you know, those things that happen in our childhood, they imprint us and they have a big impact on who we are, uh, how we act and, and what we think. And so, you know, tying into, you know, my granddad was a huge, as I said before, Westerns were like his favorite thing in the world. And I was just a little kid in England, man. Like, you know, I didn't have any idea what America was, the United States. Like, I had no clue what that even meant. <laughs> and my mom ended up remarrying this guy who was British, and he ended up taking a job in America. And this shows you how little a clue I had. My cousin goes, hey, you know, Sean, there's 50 stakes in America. And I'm like, stakes? They only have 50 stakes over there? Like, I thought they'd have more than that. Like, you know, I'm thinking stakes, but he's he's thinking states, but he's saying stakes. Like, we have no idea what, <laughs> what, what we, what's even going on, right? And my granddad was like, oh, you're going where the cowboys live. Like, you know, this, that's real cowboy land over there, Sean. And so I'm like all pumped up. This is awesome, you know. And um, so this that ties into why I love coyote hunting so much, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but so I come to America and uh, and I grow up, you know, loving this country, man. And I'll tell you what, you've been overseas, I think, right? Yeah. It takes sometimes to get a real appreciation for this country and how blessed we are to live here. And now I'm a United States citizen. Thank the good Lord. Um, you go live somewhere else. You spend some time in a different country. You start to realize real quick how blessed we are to live in this country and the freedoms that we have and how special they are. Oh, hundred percent. And, and so, um, you know, I have family over that I talk to all the time and man, the fact that I get to go out and hunt coyotes with guns, uh, that's a true blessing, right? I mean, it yeah. really is because not everybody around the world has that has that right, that God-given right. So, sure. so I'm super grateful for that. Um, so, you know, I come over to the United States. Where'd you guys, uh, where'd you I'm first move to when you first came over? First moved to Oregon. Okay. Yep. Yep. Pacific Northwest. So all I, so I remember like, man, it's, you know, California is what I'm thinking. That's what you see in the movies, yeah, right? yeah. deserts and hot sun. And I'm in Oregon. It rained like 90 days straight <laughs> when we got there. I'm like, this is BS, yeah. man. Like I thought, I thought this was supposed to be sunny and nice. You know, it feels like I'm still in England, but with more trees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was a little bit of a, a shock uh, with the rain, but anyway, so Spent some time in 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 uh, in Oregon and and grew up in kind of your traditional. Played a lot of sports, you know. Got real interested in that. Um, but I always like this this idea of the cowboy, right? That was imprinted on me as a young kid it was just gnawing at my brain. And so I'd watch what I discovered on our TV. We had a Western channel, like a channel that played only Western movies. And so, I mean, I just watched that thing all day long. I mean, I wanted nothing more to be a cowboy. It was like a dream, you know, and here I am in America, but I'm stuck in Oregon where it just rains all the time. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I was, man, I got into girls and sports and, you know, the typical story, I kind of got away from the horses and that, that life, that Western lifestyle. Um, and I remember I graduated high school and my dad said, uh, you either go to college and I'll help support you or you get a job you're on your own like good luck and so just like every good high school 18 year old kid I already knew everything there was to know about the world right so I went and got a job 
And I actually got a job knocking doors as a door-to-door salesman. And, you know, I want to, I want to say something here because I think who we are as coyote hunters, who we are as hunters um, is greatly reflected by who we are as men and how we live our lives and our experiences we've had. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, How you hunt, how you hunt, how you go about, uh, you know, um, tackling a challenge uh, has a great deal to do with your experiences you've had in life. And so as a door-to-door salesman, uh, I learned some valuable lessons in life that have translated to make me a pretty successful coyote hunter and, and a, a successful person in business too. And one of those, uh, one of those lessons I learned is that uh, you're only one door away from a yes right yeah just like stand away from a coyote right that's right man you're only one stand away from a coyote and how many times has there been where you're hunting out there morale's low you've made like 30 15 dry (laughs) stands and the temptation is to give up right the temptation is to be like man i'm done but you're just one so i learned by being a door-to-door salesman that you've got to keep going you cannot quit and so when I think about coyote hunting, you know, the gear, all that stuff is great and, and, and definitely important. But when I talk to other coyote hunters, what I really care most about is who are they, right? How do they live their life and what experiences they had? Because that's going to tell me whether I want to go hunt with them or not, right? Yeah. Are they going to keep knocking doors even when the chips are down? And so I'd interview people. I, I was the number one salesman in the nation. I quickly rose through the ranks as a door-to-door salesman. And I'd interview people and I'd know within five seconds if they have it or they don't. Like I can smell it, you know, just like, just like hunting. Like, you know, if somebody's got that X factor, that's going to make them excellent. And sometimes there's a little bit of crazy mixed in with that too, right? Because, uh, yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, but, but Hey, eventually I realized, man, this isn't a career I can, I can hang my hat on, right? Door-to-door sales is great. The money was phenomenal. But mentally, whew, I mean, you know, in, in, to draw the, the, the parallel again to coyote hunting, sometimes you knock on a door and nobody answers, right? No coyote comes in. Sometimes you knock on a door, somebody answers and, you know, they give you the finger or they put a gun in your face. <laughs> I mean, that happened many times to me, right? And some, sometimes a coyote comes in and just screws you over, yeah, yeah. you know, downwinds you, whatever. And you're like totally deflated, right? So how do you knock the next door? with as much energy, passion, and enthusiasm as you just knock the last 300 doors. Because you're not going to be successful if you, let that, if you let that defeat carry over into the next door or the next stand, right? Yeah, you're, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be paying attention. You're not going to be on your game. You're not going to see that coyote come in early enough to get adjusted, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to, to make a good shot. So... So what I'm trying to say here is, you know, as, as I'm, you know, as I'm now a, a pretty avid coyote hunter, I'm, I'm drawing from all these experiences I've had in life um, that, that helped me be successful in this incredible sport of coyote hunting. Um, so, like I said, man, I realized, okay, I can't, uh, I can't be a door-to-door salesman my whole life, you know, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, like I was going to die <laughs> at a young age. Um, because the fact is, if you don't make a sale, as a door-to-door salesman, you don't make any money. It's commission only. 
And so the hustle's real. And uh, and it wore on me after a couple of years. It wore on my relationship uh, to my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. Um, and I needed to become a professional, right? And and here's something else that I really carry over into coyote hunting. Uh, now, I, I was in high school. I was not a great student, okay? I was a C, D kind of student. Uh, and I really thought I wasn't a math person, right? But I had discovered this skill of, in door-to-door sales that, hey, I can sell ice to an Eskimo, right? Like, I've got this yeah, talent. Yeah. I've got this skill I've learned. Um, how do I professionalize myself? And in, in, in knocking doors, I really discovered that I can write my own destiny, right? If I want something bad enough, you go out there and you work for it and you grind and you make it happen, right? And so I decided to go back to school and uh, I ended up taking a bunch of classes because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I took a bird watching class, which was actually incredible uh, and maybe a foreshadow of my life. We, we were, uh, I actually went, ended up going to a community college in California. I Googled like the number one community college because my high school grades were garbage. Yeah, right? yeah. There's no way I'm getting into college on my high school grades. So I had to re-go back to, you know, community college, like do the last two years of high school kind of <laughs> over again. And, uh, and, but I was like, you know what, this time I'm a little bit more mature. Right. And that's some advice I give to kids. You know, anybody who's young is listening to this podcast. If you don't know what you want to do, go get a job and you're coming out of high school, go get a job and work for two years and figure out what life is really about. You know, don't go straight to college if you're not 100 percent sure what you want to do. Um, so I went back. Same, with the same reason I went focus. to the military, man. I was in the same boat. It's like I was decent. I was good at school. I got really good grades, but I was like burned out. Right. So it's like let's hit the nail on the head. Don't go waste everybody's money. Go figure it out. Let yourself yeah, mature yes. a little bit. Amen. And that, that's exactly what happened to me. I was more mature now. And so all of a sudden I said, you know what? I'm going to sit down in this math class that I have to take for general requirements. And I'm actually going to try for the first time in my life. Right. I'm actually going to try at something instead of sit in the back of the class and like, watch YouTube videos on my laptop or whatever, like just pretend, you know, I was sick of pretending in life. And I, I wanted to see what I could really do if I applied myself 110% to something. And man, I got an A in that math class. And I emailed my high school professor that like, as soon as I got that A, I emailed him. <laughs> and I think he about fell out of his chair. You know, I think his response was like, oh, I always knew you had it in you. I'm like, yeah, right, <laughs> man. You were ready to like call the police on me, dude. <laughs> um, so here I was, man. I'm like, dude, I've got this power. I've got this ability. If I really focus and apply myself, I can do whatever I want. I can write my own destiny here. Um, so I ended up taking, you know, a physics class and I loved that, right? Because I think so many people, we fall into like this category. Like my mom would always say this, oh, I'm not a math person, Sean. You're not a math person either. Yep. You know what I mean? And we start to internalize that. I know I did. You say it enough. And the truth was that's not. Absolutely. And it goes both ways. Right. Um, So I internalized that a little bit. And I think too many people fall into that trap. But now all of a sudden I'm getting an A in math class. I felt like this confidence, this power come over me. So long story short, I ended up uh, getting good grades, transferring to a great uh, university in California called Santa Clara University. And I got a degree in electrical engineering. 
and uh, computer engineering and uh, totally surprised everybody, including myself, right? <laughs> um, and then I ended up getting a job in corporate America, uh, working for a large corporation in the tech industry in Silicon Valley. And it stopped becoming about learning these really cool things about the universe and how the world and technology works. And it started becoming more about, uh, you know, hitting your numbers, selling a widget. And I fell into this cubicle life uh, and I slowly started to feel my soul die. <laughs> and, and it was, it was sad, man. I, I was not a happy person. Uh, my family life wasn't great. You know, I, I had my first kid and I remember just, uh, man, I just remember praying to God, like, I, you know, I come from a divorced family and I didn't want to go down that same route with my family. And so I did, man, I got down on my knees and I prayed to God and I said, I don't care what it is or how you do it. I just don't want to make the same mistakes my dad made. Right. I don't want to do that to my family. Um, I don't care what it takes. And, you know, God works in mysterious ways, man, sometimes that we just don't understand. Right. And uh, all of a sudden I'm driving home from work one day and I get this urge to go ride a horse. And I'm like, what? You know, I haven't, you know, those those Western movies, right, that I was exposed to when I was a kid are playing in my mind. And and here I am in America in the most beautiful, free country in the world with these amazing landscapes and public lands. And I'm in a cubicle. Like, surely that's not my path. That can't be it. And what, I'm going to wait till I'm 60 years old to retire and my body doesn't work. I can't enjoy that stuff. Yeah, then, yeah. Right. I mean, to the fullest. And so I'm like, I don't know where this is going, you know, but I'm going to go like, like ride some horses, just get out in the land and get on horseback and just go out there, man. And so I just started going to this local barn and riding the horses in the Santa Cruz mountains. And, uh, you know, to make another long story short, I, uh, I ended up watching, uh, you know, this thing about these Mustangs and I ended up reaching out to this gentleman and I said, uh, hey, you you know, he was a horse trainer. And I said, listen, this is probably kind of crazy, but I want to learn how to train horses. Like, you, like I want to learn everything you know. And he's like, well, that took me 50 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, well, listen, I've got some paternity leave coming up. My company gave like stellar paternity leave paid. You know, you have a kid, basically yeah. you get paid vacation. Uh, although the theory is you're supposed to help your wife, you know, with the baby. <laughs> not go uh, ride horses in Tucson, Arizona, which is what I did. I told the guy, listen, I'll pay you. I don't, I, I just want to learn. I want, I, I want to learn everything there is to know about training these horses. I love it. I'm passionate about it. So I went down there and uh, he's from Nebraska. And uh, anyway, so we, we bonded right away. I mean, because I'm the type of guy, like I'll grab a shovel, I'll start digging. I remember I pulled up and they were fixing some fence and I got out of my truck and I just started working. I just started fixing fence with them, like 105 degrees in Tucson, Arizona. Let's go, you know, let's do it. And, uh, and, and so anyway, he, he's an older gentleman, you know, uh, uh, and he had moved from Nebraska to kind of get out of that winter weather, you know, uh, and he had a son who was coming down from Nebraska is also a horse trainer and we're riding horses one day and he's like, Hey, Sean, uh, you know, we started getting to be good friends. He's like, you want to go coyote hunting with me? I'm like, coyote hunting? <laughs> what, what is that? 
And he's like, oh, it's great. You'll love it. I'm like, well, and I'm going to be brutally honest here. I was like, well, what do you do with them? You know, like I get that question all the time now, dude, when yeah. people hear, what do you do, eat them? And that's where my mind was at. I just didn't know. Right. I'm like, well, why would you shoot it? If like, what do you do with it? He's like, oh, had you, you done any them. hunting? Had you done any, ever done any hunting at all up to this point? I'll tell you what, man, the only experience I'd had is my, when my parents divorced, my dad actually worked on a cruise ship out of Florida. And so I'd go spend the summers with him. And like any good dad, he just would give me a fishing pole and let me go do my thing, you know, and he had his thing that he was doing. So uh, I would spend hours with a fishing pole. And so I, I, I always had this love for fishing. I mean, dude, I'd spend, that's well, the only reason my marriage is good now is because my wife married a fisherman. And so I'm gone nine, 10 hours a day standing on the shore, just cast in a line out there. And I thought that was fun. Right. That, like, I thought that was as good as it gets. And so I, I had always loved the outdoors. I had, I had shot guns and stuff, but I hadn't like hunted. No big game, small game. I hadn't shot an animal ever. I'd like beat a fish over the head with a stick. That's about it. And so this guy asked me, he goes, yeah, go cut hunt, man. I'm like, well, what do you do with them? He's like, just shoot them and, you know, take pictures and send them to your buddies and ditch leave them away. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I guess like it didn't appeal to me right off the bat. Right. Just being 100 percent honest with you. It didn't appeal to me. Um, And he's like, "Okay, well, we're going to go out. So here you can use my rifle. Uh, He had another 243. He was shooting a 22 250 and he gave me his 243. And so we're going in the in the uh, out in the desert in Arizona. And First stand was a blank. I remember this like it was yesterday, man. And uh, first stand was a blank. And the whole time I'm thinking like, I don't really want to shoot a coyote, man. Like, I hope I don't. I hope we just don't see any coyotes today. (laughs) And I I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth right now, Jeff. I can't believe I'm saying them. Like, like it's insane. But that was my thought. I was like, I don't want to shoot a coyote. And then like, what if I miss? Like, that's even going to be more embarrassing. You know what I mean? And I'm super competitive. Like, I don't like, nobody likes to be a loser and miss. And so anyway, we end up calling one in and it's barking at us, like comes around this hill. We're up on a side hill and it's just barking at us ferocious. And I'm like, oh, I've never even like seen a coyote for more than a few seconds. And they're always like those urban coyotes in California, you know, they're like super skinny and scrawny. And this was a big male and he was pissed, dude. And he's barking at us. You know, he saw us really, I don't know if he knew winded us. I don't think I wasn't even paying attention to the wind at that point. Right. And uh, my buddy's dad cracks a shot and, and, you know, my ears are ringing and he misses it and the coyote runs off. And I'm like, what was that? Like, that's crazy, you know? So that was my first like coyote experience. And then we went back to, to, we tried like a few more uh, stands, but nothing really ever came of it. And I was super new to it and I wasn't really into it. Um, But then I ended up, and this time I'm still working a job, right? I'm still working a job. And to get to your original question, like, what was your job? Um, you know, it has a lot to do with storytelling, right? Um, so basically I, I sold uh, these big products for technology companies. And so um, I was deep in that game. And every time you're selling a product for a technology company, you're telling a story, right? And you're trying to convince other people to invest money into that said product, um, so 
but but like I said, my soul was kind of slowly dying. I wanted something more out of life. I wanted to experience this American West that I was so drawn to. Um, so I told my wife one day, I said, hey, babe, um, what do you think? I just quit this job and become a horse trainer. And she looks at me and she's like, oh, I support you. But you know, when your wife says that <laughs> and they don't really yeah, mean that. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I ran with it, man. And I did, I quit my job. We sold our place in California. I bought a ranch in Arizona and I moved out here and I started training horses. And, uh, you know, coyote hunting was still on my radar, but it wasn't like anything I was ready to go do or, or anything like that. And, um, but then I met this guy at church and, and we started chatting and I told him, oh, I, I'm going to go kayak hunting because I'm here in Arizona. Now I want to start, you know, kayak hunting. And he was like, oh, yeah, I, I'm a, I love kayak hunting. And he was like, we should go sometime. And I'm like, oh, perfect. I just bought this 243, you know, Savage 243, $400 gun out the door with a scope like you can't beat it. And uh, the thing still shoots lights out, by the way. I love that little rifle. Um, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Leave your rifle at home. Bring your shotgun. Now we're talking. Like, shotgun? <laughs> like, we're going to shotgun a coyote? Like, you're kidding me, dude. Like, how, how are we going to do that, you know? And, uh, and he's like, no, trust me. And so we have this conversation. I'm like, well, I better go buy a shotgun. You know, so I go buy me a shotgun. And in the meantime, my buddy from Nebraska calls me. And at this time, I'm like starting to watch some videos. And I'm starting to think like, ah, I'm kind of getting the itch to go out in the desert and hunt some coyotes and he's like well i got a load of horses you got to pick up here in nebraska um for me so so come out here and we'll go coyote hunting and i'm like all right that'll be cool and he's like you know bring your 243 i'm like perfect so i load up the horse trailer drive out there to nebraska and uh and he's like listen sean i've got my hunting buddy that i've been hunting with for years and we don't hunt with anybody period. And especially people from California. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, he's, and they're hardcore, dude. They're hardcore coyotes. Hand calls. They don't even use like, you know, bipods, dude. They're just freehand and everything. I mean, oh, they're, they're old school. As it gets. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 uh, and, <laughs> and so he's like, but I'll take you coyote hunting. Okay. Just keep your mouth shut. Don't talk about California and don't miss. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can try and I can handle that, you know? Uh, so we just had, I think there was just a fresh snow, you know, and, uh, and it's Nebraska in January. It's cold as you know. Yeah. Yeah. And we get, we get, we're in the truck and we meet up with his buddy. You know, he's a rancher. So you guys are and, Sandhill uh, country then, right? Sit, yes, sir. Yeah. Sandhill. Yeah. Yep. yep. The place where dreams and, uh, are made. That's right, man. The good life state. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll be honest with you. So I'm, I'm not used to that landscape. I mean, it is so vast out there. It takes a while for your eyes to just adjust and kind of get used to that. So we meet up with his, his rancher buddy and I'm sitting in the back and I've got my 243 like death grip on it. You know, I'm like, okay, don't miss, don't miss, don't, <laughs> don't talk about California. Up, don't miss, don't talk about California. Like they're gonna leave me in a ditch somewhere out here. I'm gonna die. <laughs> and so uh, so we're heading out there and 
and we start talking and I say something like, yeah, they start dogging on California. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. California is terrible. I'm so glad to get out of there. But, uh, you know, it is like probably one of the most beautiful places I've ever lived. And this guy just turns around and looks at me and he's like, looks to my buddy. He's like, should we kick him out of the truck now or later? <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh gosh, here we go. So, uh, so for, we're walking in to the, to our stands and we bump a coyote and I don't even see this coyote. Right. They're like, there it is. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to adjust my eyeballs to this wide open landscape and, and I just don't see it. And my buddy pulls up his rifle, boom, cracks it right on, on the run as it's running away, just shoots that thing. First coyote down. We haven't even got to our stand yet. I'm like, okay, this is cool. So he picks it up and we kind of mark it on Onyx, you know, where it is so we can get it on the way out. Uh, Cause we're hiking. I mean, we're, we're traveling, you know? And, uh, and so we get to uh, another stand and we bump another coyote. And I've heard you talk about this. So wait, wait, you guys before. were just like, you guys were just walking from stand to stand. You weren't even driving. That's right. Damn, yes. These guys are just walking. These guys know how to waste a lot man. of time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, the thing is, is there's coyotes everywhere. So we yeah. like, we'd walk and we'd bump a coyote we'd, and it would just run over a hill. And so it was the, I think the third stand we make and we were shining like copper pennies on this side hill. It was not ideal at all. And, but it was kind of like the best we could do in this, the way the terrain laid out. And, uh, and here come three coyotes just bounding in. And my buddy's like, here you go, Sean, this is all you, man. I'm like, okay, don't screw this up. Right. And, uh, and here comes this coyote. He's like, it's going to pop up right by where this windmill is at. And you could kind of see this windmill off in the distance, but you, you know, that the first hill was, was right there in the foreground. And so I line up my rifle with that windmill where that hill is. And here comes this coyote's head and it stops right at the hill. All you can see is the head of this coyote. And I'm just like, close my eyes and just squeeze. And dude, I shot that coyote right between the eyes. Boom, <laughs> down. Like First how, far, coyote how far was I it? ever shot? 70 yards. Oh, nice. About 70 <laughs> yards. Yep. Right between the eyes, man. And uh I didn't even think I hit it. And, and my buddy's like, You got it. And I was like, Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, That's I did. right, you know. <laughs> and uh and we go over and I'm like, and the eyeballs, you know, popped out, hanging out, and and uh I felt something come over me, man. Like, like I can't explain it. Words. I'm never one who's short for words, but I can't describe that feeling I got. I'm out there in the sand hills of Nebraska, some of the most beautiful country I've ever seen. I've got this rifle. I just shot a coyote and these guys are high-fiving me, you know, and it's like my life is complete. Like that spot is exactly where I'm supposed to be in life. That's the feeling I had. So I dragged this, dragged this coyote back to the road. And they're like, we'll go get the truck. We'll, we'll meet you. We'll drive out. You know, we're so far in there. Uh, we'll drive out on the road. You walk, like keep walking to the road and we'll just pick you up. And so I'm dragging this coyote and, uh, and I'm just like having this, this existential like moment, man, where I'm just like, this is it. Like I'm, this is the, this is the coolest experience of my life. And so I dragged this coyote and then, uh, and he's kind of like, but be careful because we have permission over here. But if you get on the wrong piece of land, like 
you know, and somebody sees you with a gun, like they might shoot you, shoot at you out here. And he's kind of joking <laughs> yeah. around, but like half serious, you know what I mean? He doesn't want me to get him in trouble. And so the whole time I'm like, I hope this is where I'm supposed to be, you know? And, uh, and, and I, uh, I see this, this, I'm kind of hiding in a ditch. So nobody sees me. And here comes this pickup truck driving down the road and it's not my buddies. And I'm just like, Oh no. <laughs> and so I get down with this coyote and like, I'm like, like laid up right next to this dead coyote trying to hide, you know, so nobody sees me. And uh, anyway, they end up picking me up and, uh, and that's kind of, man, that's kind of my life story, you know, from the beginning up until that first coyote that I shot. And then, man, then I really start trying to learn what it takes to be a coyote hunter. That's wild to me that you, you came from England, you lived in Oregon, you lived in California, you lived in Arizona, and then you killed your first coyote in Nebraska. <laughs> it's like, wild. You know, yeah. Yep. Connect those dots, you know? It, it, oh, dude, it, absolutely. It couldn't be more random. You couldn't write it out, you know, if you tried to. Um, but there's something about Nebraska, man, that I love. I love that wide open country. It really, you know, one of the reasons I love coyote hunting so much is because of the landscapes, right? Like, yeah, the killing is great. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like that's like the cherry on top, but there's something about, you know, getting your gun, getting in your truck, going out to these beautiful places um, and, and, you know, calling in coyotes, man, it's a visceral cerebral experience um, that, that I absolutely love. And so I come back from that trip like a totally different man, right? And I'm like, I need to get serious about this cat hunting thing because it's the most fun I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it, it's the best thing ever. I've got to do more of it. And so, you know, I'm training horses and you're meeting different people that have different land and different, you know, things like that. And I end up telling this story to the guy who I met at church. And he's like, well, oh, that's it. We're going out coyote hunting keep your rifle at home. We're going to bring a shotgun. Right. So we, uh, and, and so at this point, my eyes have adjusted to that wide open landscape of Nebraska, right. Where you can see for miles. Yeah. yeah. And the next, the next thing, you know, I'm in the thick mesquite <laughs> cactus in Arizona and I'm standing up. Like I went to sit down and he's like, no, no, stand up. Like you're not going to see him come in if you sit down. And so I'm like, you're kidding me. We're standing up with shotguns. Like, okay. And I'm looking like what I think is pretty close. I'm looking like 40, 50 yards out, you know, to see them come. And uh, there was Jed had rolled in and uh, he's blasting a rabbit. I mean, loud. And dude, two coyotes come five yards, just hauling balls, come in five yards from me. <laughs> he shoots one. I'm like, I swing around. I blast the other one with the shotgun. And then a third one comes in while we're like high-fiving each other. And we both shoot at it and miss at like three yards. It's like, it was like the biggest cluster and the most adrenaline rush I've ever had. <laughs> and so I'm like, this is awesome, dude. And so that was our first stand. My first stand in Arizona, like with the shotgun, you know, for real. We call in a triple and shotgun two of them at like five yards. And I'm like, this is a whole new level, you know? And so that day we made, I think, three stands and we killed five coyotes. And so we got a double, double, and I think a single. And he was like, John, I don't want you to get used to this. Like, this is, 
He's like, I haven't called this area. I think the first coyote, one of those, that first double we got had like teeth just clear worn down. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, this is, this is a different deal. And so I start to go on my own, right? I get a, I get a call, got my shotgun. Um, I start to go in the desert. And I remember that first time my head was just hurting, man, because I didn't know where to make my stand because I'm walking through the desert and I'm just like, okay, this isn't like, I couldn't see the elevation was wrong. There was no shooting lanes, right? Like in the desert, it's really important to have those shooting lanes that you can get to coyotes, get a good shot off. And I'd walk like, you know, 50 more, I'd walk another 50 yards and I'd try and make another stand. It just wouldn't work. And I'd see something over there, another 50 yards. I'd try and walk there. And in the end, I just throw my hands up and be like, I'm just going to sit down here. (laughs) And I remember, here's the thing about Arizona, man. There is a lot of coyote caller, predator callers in Arizona. And if you go and try and call Arizona and you're not from here and you try and call it like any other state that you might be from or have success, you're not going to have success consistently. Um, You have to call it with a totally different style is what I've come to realize. And so I was actually had been listening to one of your podcasts, one of your early podcasts, and you said something that just replayed in my mind because this was a pressured area I was hunting. I only hunt public land. I don't have any private permission unless it's not posted and, you know, everything like that. I'll go on it. So, but 99% of what I do is public and it's pressured, not just from coyote hunters, but from deer hunters, from, you know, off-roaders, from bird watchers, like, you know, those gem seekers that were looking for rocks, like who knows what it does, man. And it makes those coyotes kind of a little wary. And so uh, I remember you had this podcast and you said, I forget which one it was. I think it was like how to call a coyote or something. You're like, sometimes I just go in there and I go right into a pup distress. Like a pup fight or something like that. You want to like, you'll just sit down, boom, like a pup distress fight. And so I'd been calling a little bit and having no luck or like I'd see them like outside a shotgun range. Right. And they'd kind of be circling me. And I only I only had a shotgun. For the first year, first season I pilot hunted, I never took a rifle on stand. And that that turned out to actually be a really great choice and made me a much better coyote hunter. But there were oh, times sure. where it was frustrating, you know. And so I remember I'd see these coyotes just kind of walk around and get my wind or leave. And they weren't like coming in super aggressive like I remembered with my buddy. And that's because he took me to all these great spots, you know, but I understood the golden rule is you don't go to where your friend takes you, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, your that podcast is playing in my mind. I walk out there, man. I'm like, I've made like four or five blank stands. I'm just like, screw it. I remember what Jeff said, dude, I'm just going to set that call. Dude, I said it. And then also, I think you had a, uh, one of those shotgun guys, I think it was Rusty Gamble or, or one of those people uh, said like how they set up the call real close to him when they're shotgunning, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so dude, I stuck that, I stuck that call like three or four yards from my feet. <laughs> I got tucked up under a mesquite bush and I just start cranking a pup fight, like pup distress, you know? And like three seconds in, it felt like three seconds, probably 30 seconds, whatever. I looked to my hard right and there's a coyote about 15 yards from me staring like we're both looking the same way you know i'm looking out this way he's looking out straight i see a side profile and at the time i was shooting like a two and three quarter uh number four buck or something like that and uh and i just swing around and shoot him and he drops boom 
And I'm just like, yes, you know, my buddy told me this area was really pressured and not to hunt it. And like, you won't have any luck. And here I am just freaking smack one down, you know? And I think it was that pup fight, that pup distress that just, he was close by. It triggered him hard enough. And in a different way that a prey distress sound was, oh, he just bet. came to check it out, you know, like, what is this? And dude, I shotgun him. I'm like, oh, I, this is 30 seconds in. I'm calling a double, baby. <laughs> like, let's keep calling. And so I'm like running through the different sounds. And and uh, and finally, I end the stand. And I'm like, oh, wait till I send this picture to my buddy Josh. Like, he's going he's gonna to think I'm so cool, you know. <laughs> and uh, I walk over, dude. And my coyote's gone. He's not there. And I, I like, I literally like grab the, the hair on my, like the, my hat, you know, and I'm like, looking around yeah, like where'd he go? shotgunned him at 15 yards where did he go and i looked down the wash and there's this coyote just limping down the wash at like 100 yards and i'm just like no and so i start chasing him you know i mean how many guys have chased coyotes down <laughs> and uh, i i there was like a the tiny little blood trail and uh and man i never found that coyote but I learned a valuable lesson. Like you don't take your eyes off them when you're shotgun hunting. And nope. it's happened to me so many times, man. I can't even tell you where I get what I think is a pretty darn good shot. And those suckers get up and they keep going. And uh, so my buddy always gives me a hard time about it because I'll, it's not unusual for me to unload two to four rounds in a coyote. Like if it's, if it's even moving a little bit, you know? Oh yeah. Um, shoot them till they're not moving anymore that's the that's the yeah. golden rule of shotgun it is man and if they're running away and you get them in that behind like good luck you know um so yeah that was uh and then i ended up killing a, a coyote on the next stand and on my and I, so i called my buddy from nebraska right and i'm like dude i'm killing coyotes with shotguns at like five yards man this is an unreal and he's like, no way, you know, and we're talking on the phone and I'm just coming up the dirt road by my house. And here comes a bobcat slinking down the desert road, dips into the desert. And I'm like, bobcat, bobcat. And I throw the truck in park. I got my shotgun right there, dude. So I grab my shotgun and my buddy, he tells a story now. He's laughing so hard because he goes, I just heard you yell bobcat three times. And then I just heard, boom, boom. <laughs> and, uh. And so my first solo trip out in Arizona, you know, I, I shot two coyotes, recovered one and got a bobcat and, uh, holy cow, it's been a wild ride ever since, man. <laughs> I've been totally, totally hooked on it. I ended up adding a 22-250 to my arsenal. Um, finally nice. got my suppressor, uh, the, the last couple of days, um, from Silencer Central. So that's yeah, yeah. been awesome. Got the Banish 223. Okay, it yeah. on my 2250. Yeah, yeah. 2250. And uh, dude, that thing is like silent and deadly. I, I absolutely love it. And it's it's actually helped me kill more coyotes than I that already. I've only used it for maybe a week or two. But I just went out this last week. And uh, it was a great story, man. There's a coyote. I, I'm, the bird noises kill in Arizona. I mean, yeah. I know they kill everywhere. But dude, they're key. They're clutch in Arizona, you know. And and I was experimenting with this, so I'm I'm making. I do like four minutes of a bird sound, and then I go into a rabbit sound, and then at the nine minute mark, here comes a coyote, 
to the rabbit, right? So I'm like, oh, it's just the rabbit that they're interested in. So then I switch my sound. I just start off right at the rabbit, but I'm not killing coyotes. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So then I go back to the four minutes of bird, then a rabbit, and I'm killing coyotes again. And you know how it is. You can look too much into the theory and you can get a little too into it. But I'm like, man, maybe, you know, if it's working, like don't mess with it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm out here in a big open field for Arizona and uh, there's some livestock out there, a couple of mesquite bushes. I start off with a bird noise and here comes a coyote just coming in pretty, pretty at a good clip. And, uh, and I'm, you know, man, I'm not afraid to admit it. I whiffed at him at 70 yards and I missed. I mean, I had him in my rifle. I could have let him come and shotgun him, but I wanted to hear that. I wanted to use my suppressor. <laughs> dude. I love that thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm like, I want to keep shooting that thing. And, you know, cause the shotgun's louder than that suppressed 22, 250. And at the end of the day, I want to call in more as many as I can. So if I have the chance to, to shoot one with my suppressed rifle over my shotgun, I'll do it because my chances of calling in another coyote are just that much greater. So I miss this coyote, man. And, and uh, I haven't had a lot of practice at running shots. And so he takes off and what a, what a, smart experienced coyote hunter would have done would just woofed at him got him to stop again right because he, he just he just heard a sound that was kind of loud and you know you can tell when a coyote's running for their life and they're gone out of that zip code versus oh, when yeah. they're just kind of like what the hell was that yeah, and they're yeah. just kind of running medium speed away and that's what he was doing so instead of woofing at him i just unloaded my whole gun dude trying to hit him <laughs> as he's running away and I'm, I missed, I unload, I missed everything. And he goes, but he's still not like totally spooked, you know? I mean, he's running away, but he ain't running like Mach 4. So I'm cussing myself. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go back to the truck. I'm going to get more ammo because I was totally out of ammo. I'm going to go call that coyote in again. And so I go back to my truck. I get more rounds, load up my rifle. I go to where that coyote ran to another 200 yards away and I go right into a pup fight right away. I don't even mess with rabbit or bird or nothing. And here comes that same coyote. I'm pretty sure. Could it be a different coyote? Sure. But either way, I just shot six rounds in that area in a 400 yard radius. <laughs> and here comes this coyote and it was a younger pup. With the, and I could kind of tell that too. It was a pup coyote. So he's not real wise to stuff yet, you know? Um, and here he comes, he comes out, um, of the brush line and, uh, and I shoot him and, uh, and kill that coyote. And that man, that was one of those experiences where it's like, you know, the temptation there is to just give up. Right. And be like, oh, I screwed this up. I'm gone. But I, I didn't quit, man. I didn't give up. And, and I ended up turning up a coyote that I otherwise would have lost. That only happens in Arizona. I just want you to let you know that. <laughs> so it's it's 100%. funny you say this because I've I've experienced some of the I've hunted Arizona quite a bit over the last you know five six eight years. You know Dustin Patterson, he's from Kansas. He's hunted all over Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma. You know all that country. He's been down there with me a lot. Lane <laughs> Bangeter, government trapper, has hunted coyotes all over Utah, Nevada. He's been down there with me. And we all have come to the same conclusion that Arizona has the dumbest coyotes that any of us have ever seen. <laughs> and so I love to hear these stories for guys, you know, at least that at least you've 
scattered out and you've hunted up in Nebraska and I don't know exactly where else, but it seems like I talk mm-hmm. to guys and from that hunt a lot of that live in Arizona and hunt. And I hear some of the, well, as a matter of fact, just the other day on Instagram, a guy sent me a story. He's like, Hey, I want to thank you for your tips. He's like, we got our first triple. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's pretty awesome. So I said, I said, how did, how'd it go down? And he says, we were, we were walking into the stand we bumped the coyotes. They all stood out there looking at us. They watched us set up the call. We turned on the call and mm-hmm. they came running in and we shot them all. <laughs> and I said, yeah. Oh, you must be in Arizona. And he says, how'd you know? And I said, I said, lucky guest. <laughs> and like, I'll tell you I what, never Arizona will make a guy feel like a coyote hunter for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been down there and had coyotes run like, like you're talking like, Dustin Patterson and I are sitting not quite shoulder to shoulder, maybe five yards between us calls right in the middle. One of us kind of pointing left. Cause I'm a lefty. He's a righty just so we can swing quick with the shotguns. Right. Cause that thick stuff like you're talking about. And we had a coyote yep. winds blowing straight behind us. The goddamn coyote ran right between both of us <laughs> right out to the call. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and I'm like, oh, yeah. never, I, I mean, anywhere else I've ever hunted I don't, and I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. so, so then in my mind, I'm like, okay, why is that? Why do these coyotes act a little bit different? Mm. Is it because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot, I mean, I think the coyote densities in Arizona are crazy high compared to, some, you know, yep. when you hit the right area. Right. But then I, mm-hmm. then I thought, okay, that, that can't be it. There there's lots of places that have high coyote densities, right? Texas, Oklahoma, even up in this part of the country, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have the, quite the densities, I don't think, but I said, like, there's gotta be something more. And then I start thinking about, you start talking about the amount of people in the area, right? Like there's always mm-hmm. people driving freaking side by sides and hiking around. And I almost wonder if to a certain extent, those coyotes down there, just get a little used to people like the scent of people mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. where it doesn't just freak like out here in the sand hills of nebraska those coyotes don't ever smell people right so <clears throat> when they smell you on a yep. coyote stand psh, gone but i'm just wondering areas like that if is that because they're just used to always smelling people and there's always all this noise and there's always all this stuff that they eventually the maybe just the aggressive cats i don't know they eventually just say oh doesn't matter to me i'm coming to get the rabbit you know or whatever it is i i just want to know 100 percent, 100 i think you're right man and i've thought about it a lot too because this is where i hunt right and so to be a good hunter you have to constantly you know i i, I come across a lot of other coyote hunters that are kind of set in their ways right a little bit dogmatic about some things this is how you do it this is the only way to do it or or etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think to be a true successful coyote hunter you have to be like the coyote and the number one characteristic of a coyote is they they adapt yep right you have to adapt to your situation and that's what that coyote the coyotes in arizona are doing they're living among heavily pressured areas where there are trails and and side by sides like you said so they still have to hunt when they smell humans and so actually i went hunting with a guy in arizona that used that that like scent spray you know that like stuff that, <laughs> and i'm like dude you're not gonna fool a coyote's nose like come on dude he's like yeah but if i can just get it a little bit down they're still gonna come in because guess what they're used to smelling coy- uh, humans all the time and so i'm still like i don't believe that but but what call it misting um but his theory he didn't uh, call it misting, i don't know did he? no i <laughs> No, have you ever heard of that? No, I don't think so. 
I so had back, in, back in the day, uh, Predator Masters Forum, I think is still a thing, but back, you know, 15 years ago before social media, it was like the place to go, right? And there was a group of guys that were part of one of those Arizona hunting, you know, you guys have some predator hunting clubs down there, right? And um, yeah, that was their deal. They said misting was an important part of their success was they would carry a oh. bottle of, every guy had their own concoction, right? Their own secret sauce sure. that they put in there, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and they would, every like, minute or two while on stand they take this spray bottle and just spray a couple sprays up into the wind you know and then that was their theory (laughs) was that if the coyote got downwind of them it would confuse the coyote just long enough for them to to get a shot arizona dude i i could go on arizona that like some of the craziest things i've ever seen in the coyote hunting world have come from coyote hunters in arizona like sitting on top of a six foot freaking ladder <laughs> in the middle yeah. of the desert so you can get a better better yeah. view down through the brush instead of like you you said no i'm just gonna stand either stand or sit in the brush shoot mm-hmm. a shotgun mm-hmm. now you have people packing six foot folding ladders with them Gee into whiz. the stands yeah and they're sitting up on top of this damn thing with a monopod with a rifle hoping that they can get a shot mm-hmm. at a coyote you know just like you don't you would never see that anywhere else in the country no from coyote no. It's a. I think it's a combination of a lot of things, right? It's that there's a lot of just pressure from coyote hunters that they kind of get used to in some of these areas. And then I think it's also the, the type of hunting you're doing, right? And I've heard you guys talk about this before, but you're in tight in this thick cover. Those coyotes are close by. And when, when you're in their bubble, like you talk about, they react you know, the closer you are to them, the harder they react. And that's just true with coyotes. I have a a story to share. So I'm hauling horses back from Nebraska. My buddy's in front of me. He's a coyote hunter too. He's the one that took me to get my first coyote kill. He's got a load of horses. I got a load of horses. And, uh, and I'm just coyote coyote hunting is on my brain 24 seven. So I'm driving down through Colorado, right? It's the first state we drive by. I'm like, get on my phone. I buy a Colorado fur bears license while I'm driving. I see a spot. I pull over on the interstate. I don't even know if this is legal, but uh, it was legit like ground I could hunt on, you know, in Colorado, which is very rare, you know? And, uh, and uh, I crawl over the fence and I I crawl out there and I sit down and my horses are like still in the trailer and and, uh, I call in a double. And, my buddy, as as they're coming in, he pulls up in ho- his horse trailer, right kind of around this bend, and this these two coyotes are coming in, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to get a double, like, on the side of the interstate. Like, this is awesome. And he pulled in such a way where I, I didn't realize at the time, but I'm watching these coyotes come in, and my heart's pounding. I'm like, shotgun double. All, let's go. And they just the all of a sudden veer off. <laughs> and I'm just like, What? And I'm looking around like, what, what in the world? And so I'm going through the sounds and I'm like, get like trying to get them to come back in, you know, and and no, they're, they're, I'm like, why in the world would they, and I turn around and as I walk, go to look back his there, you can see his horse trailer that he pulled, like I pulled mine in like just perfect so it'd be hidden. He's like, what's Sean doing? You know, he doesn't know what I'm doing. I mean, he should have known now he knows. Um, But uh, he, they spooked, you know? And so then we get in through New Mexico. And I'm on, I'm like, dude, I'm getting a coyote this trip. Like, I don't care. And I find a little pocket, a little square of state ground. And there's a prairie dog pound on top of it. And I'm pulling up off the interstate, get off, pull down, pop. And I saw a state trooper like a 
quarter mile before and I'm like, ah, it'll be cool. Like, it's okay. He, like, I'm legit. Nothing's wrong, you know? And, uh, but it was kind of in the back of my mind. And here I am, like, getting caught on barbed wire fences. And it's like, I don't know if every coyote hunter has this, man, but how many times I've been underneath the barbed wire fence wondering, like, how I ended up here in, <laughs> in life, you know? Yeah. And uh, so there I am, like, with my shotgun and my call, getting over this barbed wire fence. And I, I just crest over the hill. And there's two coyotes on this prairie dog town already there, like, you know, trying to get the prairie dogs yeah, or yeah. whatever. And they, they see me. And so they run away, but they didn't smell me. And I don't think they knew quite what I was, right? They just saw some movement there. And we're pretty close to like the interstate. And so there's these tiny little yuccas, nowhere to hide. And, uh, and so I'm like belly crawling and I just put my call out there and I go right into a rabbit and I call both of them right back in call. I shotgun one and luckily I had my rifle at the time. I shotgun the first one and they get on my rifle to hit the runners, but I missed him like two or three <laughs> shots. And, and so that, uh, that New Mexico coyote is still in my freezer. That's a special one. I'm yeah, going to yeah. get tanned or something, but like, I was just close enough to them. Right. I was in their area. And so I think back to our Arizona conversation, if you can get in tight in that in where they're at, they're going to come aggressive to that call and kind of throw caution to the wind. You know, I think that's a piece of it for sure. Yeah, I think there's a huge part of that. And that's just the different parts of the area. I mean, there's no no set recipe everywhere you're at. Right. Like the recipe changes a little bit in you know, for like when I have people come out from my coyote schools and things like that, that's really what I try to leave them with is, is, you know, understanding the, the whys to why we do what we do, not just telling them how to do it. Right. Um, because then, because yeah, it, it's different when you're down there hunting thick cover and you can relate that to lots of places in the country covers cover, right down there. You're dealing with tall grass mm -hmm. and mesquites <clears throat> and cactuses, you know, but that may be thick sagebrush up through Nevada, you know, or Eastern Oregon, you name it, you know, it could be hell, you know, CRP and, and, uh, cedar yeah. trees in Kansas or Oklahoma, you know, it's, it's cover. So, but yeah, I, I definitely agree that when you can get into those tight situations, the, I think the coyotes do generally kind of throw caution to the wind. It's like, they feel like they have the advantage yeah. now. Um, and you've got to have your playbook. Your uh, so I, I, I actually met a guy like every coyotes, coyote hunter's worst nightmare is you show up to your honey hole and you see another coyote hunter. <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm i i always hunt i the cat's out of the bag now but i hunt in my wife's minivan um <laughs> we have four kids yeah and so they're pretty young and she has like this soccer mom minivan and that's like my incognito yeah. like nobody knows because if they see my i have a flatbed dually truck you know if they yeah. see my truck they're gonna be like oh sean's kind of hunting like yeah, you know yeah. so i take the wife's minivan and i'm cruising through and i pull up and there's this big dodge ram truck and here comes this guy out and you know he's got his call and his shotgun and, it, and i'm like no like Kyle Hunter. And so I pull up and wind down my window and I caught him at like the worst moment for him. Right. Cause he's like in the middle crossing the road and I pull up and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm Kyle hunting. And, and so I was like, well, listen, man, let you just want to call together because there's no point us like both calling this area. And you know, the devil, you know, is better than the one you don't, yeah. I guess. So we actually became good friends. It's kind of funny. 
Um, but I, but he's a new coyote hunter recently, and his biggest challenge, which was mine too, when you first start, is how to how to negotiate your weapon system, right? So you're sitting on stand in Arizona or any place for that matter. You've got your shotgun in your lap, and you've got your rifle to your side. Here comes a coyote. What do you do, right? What's your move? What's your game plan? And for me, hunting with a shotgun for the first year. I had to learn how to hurry up and do nothing, right? How to just, because that coyote was out of shotgun range. I couldn't do anything if I wanted to. So I learned to wait and read that coyote and see what it's going to oh, do. Yeah. But it, he, he just went straight into the game of shotgun and rifle. So he gets caught in this zone of like, oh, coyote's coming in. Better switch to my rifle, you know, because it's, yep. oh, it's already like 100 yards out there. Well, as soon as you go to grab your rifle, guess what? You've moved. They've busted you. They've hung up there. And you're going to make a shot that could have been a 70-yard shot or a 50-yard chip shot or maybe a shotgun shot. You know, they're running in. And so we were talking about this the other day, like how to just be patient. Um, And so last night, actually, I went out and we were having this conversation. And I was like, man, maybe I've lost that skill a little bit because I'm so excited to shoot my my banished two, two, three, like I'm <laughs> on the rifle, dude. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out with just my shotgun. So I go out to my, a place I like with just my shotgun. I get up on a little hill and I can have good visibility. I mean, really great visibility for how thick that stuff is. I never found this little hill before. And I was like, this is a great spot. I need to come back here with my rifle. I call in going through the birds and the rabbits. And I let out a howl and I hear them howl like as far away as you can hear coyote. And I'm like, nah, man, they're not coming. So I hit the pup fights. Here comes this coyote, dude, popped over the hill. I'm like, oh, I got him. I only got my shotgun. I'm like, you'd be dead right now if I had a rifle, but that's okay. So he starts working his way down, and I'm heart's beating. I'm sitting there with my shotgun on this hill, and overlooking a wash, and my call's kind of tucked in this wash. And this coyote is a young coyote. He just couldn't care less. He just kind of, I think, wait, he circled downwind, but I was calling him that crosswind. So he couldn't, he couldn't, he didn't win me. But what happened was he circled around and he didn't smell any coyotes fighting. And so he's right away like, this is weird, you know? And so I switched to like a mouse squeak or some kind of lip squeak thinking I could get him to react. And you know, that look coyotes kind of give as they walk away, like that kind of <laughs> look like, and then they just turn around and keep walking out of your life. Forever. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I should have brought the rifle, man. But, you know, that just watching that coyote move and understanding its thought patterns and why it, why it didn't want to come into that call at that moment. I mean, I'll never know the real answer. But, man, every stand you can learn so much from as long as you have an open mind and, and keep kind of analyzing and think of it. And it's going to make you so much better on that next stand. And that's really been, you know, what I've taken uh, to try and be more successful. Yeah, that shotgun rifle combo is a tricky thing. You know, I think a lot of guys that are fairly new to coyote hunting understand the importance of having a shotgun on some stands, right? Like when we do it, you know, there's there's stands where it's a necessity. And then there's also times that we shotgun coyotes just for the added challenge, just for, you know, especially out in this more wide open country, right? Um, but yeah, you know, my rule of thumb is this you know, the shotgun coyotes are going to be the ones that are coming hard to the call, right? So your rifle coyotes are going to be the ones coming more slowly, okay? So 
like you mentioned, if you make any move, once that coyote's coming hard and clears that shotgun zone, you know, 50, 60 yards, they'll pick up every single movement that you make. And if you think you're going to transition from a rifle to the shotgun at that point, you're sadly mistaken, right? So yeah, I tell people you if you're if you have both, commit to the shotgun. Shotgun needs to be in your shoulder. I I even have it <clears> in your <throat> shoulder on a knee, just like you're turkey hunting. Then set up your rifle yep. on your shoulder side. You know, if you're a right-handed shooter, get your rifle set up on your right side. If you're left-handed shooter, on the left side. And then if the coyote comes in hard. Perfect. You got the shotgun right in your shoulder. You don't even have to move other than right at the last second. You raise your barrel and you shoot him in the face. But now you get that Mm -hmm. sneaky coyote that's doing the, you know, is trying to make a little dip and he's maybe dipping behind a brush. As soon as he makes a little move, then you lay your shotgun on your lap. You make a slow movement over. You come up with your rifle. And and then the next time that coyote stops, you shoot him, you know. So and and that took me a lot of years finally trying to because I think a lot of guys will sit with their rifle and they'll lay the shotgun right beside them thinking they can just automatically come up with a shotgun and make this amazing shot and it may work occasionally but it's not yeah. gonna work all the time so yeah that's a that's a skill set in itself right there uh getting you know good with with that shotgun right 100 yeah and you've got to run through like for me when i sit down on a stand i have all these scenarios i'm playing out okay what if a coyote comes in here what if a coyote comes this way right what if what if this happens what if what am i going to do what's my game plan how am i going to react and uh and the other day I had one, there was a, I was in this thick cover, but there was a big opening that I, I was like, man, if a coyote comes in there, I'm going to be screwed. Right. Cause it's going to peg me at like a hundred yards. And I feel like in the, if you're calling the thick stuff and that coyote all of a sudden has some visibility, it's going to check up at that, that visibility area just oh, yeah. to check things out. Yep, right. Yep. Like if they're running through that thick cover and it's all consistently thick, they're just going to keep barreling in because there's no point in checking up. They're not going to get any extra visibility. But I had this little pocket where if a coyote came there, it was going to make sense for him to stop and look around. And I was just going to be sitting there with my shotgun. And I feel like once that coyote stops barreling in, and I'm talking about in Arizona and the thick stuff, kind of my what my experience has been at least, once they stop that run, they're so much more likely to circle for the wind. And so what happened was exact spot you, right? Cause I'm sitting there with my shotgun on my knee, in my shoulder. And what would you know, here comes a coyote in that exact same spot. I was like, if they come from there, I'm screwed. And sure enough, he checks up and sees me and he doesn't see me. He checks up and starts looking. And so I'm here frozen. Like, okay, what do I do? If he starts circling, I'm going to lose sight of him, right? Because it's so thick. I'm, I, it's open for him from where he is, but he's going to go behind that mesquite tree and I won't be able to see him again. He'll win me before I even can get a, a shot off on him. So he, he, I see him coming in, coming up to that spot. And I just make that, that split second decision to go for my rifle right away because I'm thinking he's going to check up. Now, when I went for my rifle that coyote checked up. Now, was it because he came to that opening or because he saw me move? I'll never know, but I've done it enough to where I knew he was going to like the probability, right? It's all yeah. a prob- like, I go back to my math, my mathematical background. And like, I'm like the probabilities of that coyote coming, running through that opening in my experience are pretty slim. So sure enough, I got, got my, my rifle up and I was able to get a shot out of that. And just as he kind of turned, once he saw that movement or checked up or whatever, 
And I ended up shooting that coyote and killing that coyote. And then, like you said, the, the great part about Arizona, I walked 400 yards and call in another one, you know, and, and <laughs> shot at it right at the call. Um, so, yeah, running through that list of scenarios, being prepared, like, okay, instead of just kind of sitting there and hoping, you know, I spent a few, a, a lot of times, I guess, just hitting that play button and then reacting to whatever I saw versus kind of having a game plan lined out in my head as I'm, as I'm sitting on the stand running through those scenarios. Yeah. Arizona is awesome, man. I'm not going to have a chance to make it there this year. I don't think, but, oh. uh, but man, I miss it. You know, like you said, it's, you know, roughly 50, 50 private to public. So you have, you know, millions of acres of access, you know, the public, if it's not posted or the private, if it's not posted, you can hunt on yeah. that. So that opens up even more. <clears throat> then on top of that, you have Indian reservations that you can, you know, spend a little bit extra money and buy, buy licenses to go hunt those. I mean, so yeah, when you have states yep. that are like that, hands down the public, everybody's always bitching about, oh, I don't have private. Trust me, man. When you're in a situation where you have equal mm-hmm. amounts of private to public, there is just as good coyote hunting on public land as there is on any of the private land. It yep. just takes and nine times out of 10, you can get to that private land and call coyotes from that private land. Yeah, on pub- awesome. you, you can yeah. use public land to get right up against it and just yeah. call them off that private land. Yep. Yep. That's the cool part about hunt- anywhere hunting coyotes, right? It's like, we're not stuck yeah. to the deer stand and the deer has to walk right underneath our stand. We're calling them from out. Yeah. So that's the great, great part about nope. it, you know, but man, yeah. Arizona and you've got to is- get out there and do it. Arizona is There's a no state substitute. That- for that experience, you know, like it's not unusual for me to drive. I've driven three and a half hours one time just to make one stand. I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but uh, on that drive, I'm scouting other land on the way, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at spots over here. I might just randomly pull over and kill a coyote on some public land that I found on Onyx as I'm driving through. And so getting out there, getting in your truck, having that sense of adventure. You know, I talk a lot of dads. I talked to this uh, at my church, you know, when I meet new dads, I said, the best thing you can do, especially, you know, with your boys, um, you know, their, their kids are young. I said, go learn how to hunt, learn how to be an outdoorsman so that you can have that bonding experience with your kid. They can look up to you doing something, uh, you know, in, in this beautiful country we live in out in nature, and you can build those memories with your kids. It's so important. And I'm all about, you know, guys at my church, they want to come kayak hunting with me. Um, I love it because I know that this is something they can do with their son, their boys, and and build those memories that are going to last a lifetime. We hit the nail on the head about the exploring part, right? Like to me, that's, you come to Nebraska, I'm driving down the road at all. I can't just be like, man, that looks like a pretty badass coyote stand. Nope. I don't. No, you know, without driving around and knocking on doors and trying to find out, you know, you get in areas like you're talking about, I'm driving down the road and like, Oh, that looks pretty badass. Guess what? Pull up the Onyx. Guess what? Let's go make it. And you're just exploring to me. Yeah. That's probably the favorite thing that I love to do when co- is exploring new places. It's fun to go back to the same spots you've hunted where you have expectations and <clears throat> you know, you know where you're yeah. going. But to me, you know, just being, having the freedom of just saying, wow, that looks cool. Let's go make it. Yes. And it may suck. It may turn out to be awesome. And, mm. but you're just doing stuff like that all day long on just a exploration almost, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so me and my buddy did that. We hunted, uh, we hunted our first competition. It was actually on a reservation, uh, where they open it up for the, uh, coyote calling competition okay, once yeah. a year. 
um, because they sell like those big game trophy elk hunts, you know, so they want all the coyotes gone. And uh, I think they have aerial gunners that pretty much decimate the place. But uh, my buddy was down from Nebraska and I was like, dude, let's, let's do this, man. Like that. We don't know this land. We haven't hunted it before. Um, We can e-scout it and drive through and kind of check it out. We ended up getting fourth place in that competition out of 60 teams. And, uh, and, you know, one more coyote, we would have won the whole deal because they gave points for like bobcats and foxes and stuff like that. And we ended up getting four coyotes and a bobcat. And if we got, we missed a few, um, you know, shot, man. And so with those shotgun kills, I actually was camping out on top of my hay bale the other night and there, I got some chickens, not for eggs, just to bring in the coyotes so I can shoot them. Um, <laughs> but I, I had, I had a, a coyote that was lurking around. And so I went up on my hay bales and uh, I shot him with my shotgun and I, it was kind of, I was at night and I thought I might've missed him because he ran away. Well, I'm riding my horses down the road the next day. And I'm like, that's a dead coyote. Like, I know what a dead coyote smells like. And I'm looking around. I'm like, nah, man, that coyote, you didn't hit that coyote, you know? So I go back home and the next day I'm riding another horse out there. And I'm like, no, there's a dead coyote here. And dude, it must've been 300 yards from my house. That coyote was dead, laid up in a wash. And so I think sometimes like I, you've seen it before you shoot coyotes with those nickel plated BBs and they go, you know, and they, yep. they do rear up in the air and they go running off and you're like, nah, I didn't kill it. It, it died just 300 yards away with no blood trail. Yeah. Yeah. That's the tricky part. Two or three pellets through the lungs or maybe one in the heart. Yeah. I mean, a coyote running can cover a lot of ground pretty quick before it freaking yeah. goes down, you know? Yeah, that's the bad thing about shooting coyotes. There's usually no with the shotgun is there's no trail, right? It's like that's why that's why the oh, no. the moral of the story is just keep shooting until it's not just flinching. keep just keep <laughs> shooting. And so we in that competition, you know, we would have had first place if if I would have maybe hit a few more with the with the shotgun. But well, we did well, and and I'm actually entered. I'm going to enter the Nevada State Championship coming up here on the 10th and the 11th. Oh yeah, uh, I'm. I uh, it's a 24 hour hunt. Uh, there are some heavy hitters in that thing. I I don't have any expectation. I don't even have thermal. We're just going to go out with lights. Yeah. And I'm actually going to hunt with that guy I met while I was coyote hunting uh, (laughs) because nobody else, this is my problem, man. Nobody wants to hear about my coyote hunting stories. Nobody cares when I, you know, (laughs) I've like got all these stories to tell. So what I started doing is actually like on my voicemail, like my wife is sick of it. So uh, on my iPhone, I have the voice memo recorder and I will like, I'll talk to that thing like it's a buddy. Like even my buddies don't want to hear how many coyotes I'm killing because I'm killing way more coyotes than them. And they're yeah. mad about it. And I don't blame them. <laughs> uh, but so like, I'll just talk to this voice memo and record it, like outlining my hunt. And I go back and listen to those sometimes. And there are these little nuggets I pick up. But uh, no, so me and him are going to hunt that Nevada State Championship. We're just going to take lights. We're going to, because I don't want to buy, I don't want to spend all the money on thermal just for one hunt. Yeah, you know, so we've got a game plan, you know, that I think we're employing a little bit of strategy based on we're not going to be hunting with thermal. So we can kind of maybe use that almost, you know, not to an advantage, but we can kind of we've come up with a game plan. I think is going to put us in a good position to kill, you know, as many cows as we possibly can. But if nothing else, it's the adventure. We're going to hunt new country uh, and just to hang out with those guys that check in and hear their stories uh, and donate some money. Right. So that's, that's the main thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's always, 
that's what it's all about in the end, right? Getting out there. You got to get out there and hunt, out, man. You got to get you know? out there and do it. And and so, if yeah, we're not going to probably even place, but we're going to have a darn good time for sure. Oh, yeah. I'll be excited to see. I know a handful of other guys that, that hunt in that one. And you're right, being an all-nighter yeah. like that, man, they they check in some big numbers in that sucker, you know, and they get those thermals. Oh, yeah. They get those thermals rolling. It's hard to compete with that sometimes, but you never know. You never know until you try. Yep. And there's be crazy, you know, you, you just get lucky, you get on the right ground and they're coming, you know, it, man, it can, ha- the crazy things can happen. And that's like the unknown that I love, right. Is you don't know how many cats you're going to call in. You don't know how great it's going to be. And dude, I used to sell internet door to door. Like that sucked, you know, that was miserable <laughs> hunting coyotes. I don't, I'll do that all day long. That's a blast. You know, I don't care how many rejections I get from a stand. Like I'm still hunting that next stand with more enthusiasm and passion that I hunted the last one. That's the way I feel, but I don't tell my wife that though. I tell her, honey, this is really just hard. It's, it's a hard work out there hunting coyotes all day. You just don't understand, you know? So I can't have her knowing how much fun this actually really is that it's really not work. It's just, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. Getting to kill stuff you for a living, one. you know. <laughs> yeah, we were joking. Me and my buddy were joking around. My wife, my wife wanted me to come out to dinner with her and some friends, and I'm like, "What? Why? I don't want to go." And she's like, "Oh, come on!" Like, I'm like, "Do I make you go coyote hunting with me?" Like, I don't do that to you. Yeah. I know you won't even enjoy that, so I don't even ask you. Little does she know, I don't want her to come coyote yeah. hunting with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, you know. Uh, I went, I went to dinner with her and I said, listen, I'll go to dinner. I'll pretend to be interested in your friend's husbands and what they do for a living, but I'm going coyote hunting the next day, all day. And, uh, and I always, I always swing the conversation somehow around coyotes at dinner. And like when it it is funny, it was pretty funny because I was like, man, I guess I'll go. Maybe that person will have a bunch of land I can hunt coyotes on or something, you know, crazy like that. Well, turns out this guy has like, he runs like pistachio farms and alfalfa pivots and stuff all oh, over Arizona. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, really? You don't say. <laughs> Jackpot. So I'm like, I, I got to, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I knew I came out here for a reason, but I got to play that one. You know, I got to play that one right. Can't just come right out of the gate. Hey, let me hunt coyotes yeah, all over yeah. your property. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's a sign of a true coyote hunter. You always got your ear to the ground trying to find the next good coyote spot. Oh, you know, always, man, always thinking, trying to, trying to improve. And that's what I've loved about your podcast, man, is because, you know, when I started coyote hunting, I didn't know anything about it. Right. And through a comp, like you have to be a student of the game. You, you can't, you can't be dogmatic about anything. And I loved your, your podcast because I got to hear about your tactics and things that were working and your strategies and, and how you thought, right. Your thought process, because then I can take that and I can adapt it and internalize it and then go, you know, through repetition, through getting out in the field and having situations happen to me, right. Going and making like, okay, let me try and see how many stands I can get in today. Like just sheer number, boom, boom, boom. And have, then your, your, your acumen, like your, your innate ability is growing and growing because at the end of the day, we're humans. And if you have a modicum of, of talent and skill, I don't care what you do. If you do it enough, you're going to become good at it. 
right? As long as you have like some talent and skill yeah, and you're yeah. being analytical and you're open-minded about trying new things, right? Like when I was listening to your hunt with Dustin, like I'm sure when you first came to Arizona, it was hard for you to, to fathom the idea of not using your rifle, right? Because that's what you've known. That's how you've hunted for so long. You're like, now all of a sudden I have to transition to a totally different style. Man, that takes some mental yeah. flexibility that not everybody has. Yeah, the first time there, I I decided I was going to just shoot him with my red dot on a forty-five, and realized that that didn't work out as good as I thought it was going to work out. And yeah, so from there on, it was a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's hard enough with a shotgun when they're coming when you only see them at seven yards and you have to shoot them at five, and then they're gone forever. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. man, it happens fast. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been fun. I've, uh, you, you got me wanting to come back to Arizona now. I've, I got to try to figure out how I can get back down there this year. I, oh. I've been making the trip for like six, seven years in a row now. This will be the first time I've been down there, but we'll be back. My butt, my Dude, boys it, are always on my ass now about trying to get them down there. So I might have to, oh, you, have to get yeah, them down there. Yeah, I mean, there. you know how fun it is. And it's like, if a joker like me can go out there and just put up the kind of numbers. So I, I'm, I, uh, I've killed so far in October, I've killed 22 coyotes. Okay. Now everybody that's, I understand that depending on how much you hunt and whatever, that's not a huge number. A lot of guys pull that in a couple of days, but I'm, you know, it's been hot here, man, for October. So I've been hunting like in the mornings and in the, in the evenings. And, uh, and you know, my first year of coyote hunting here, I got 50 coyotes in a season, you know, and that's just hunting weekends or when I can. And so if, if, if you, you know, they're here, they're out there. You just have to be smart about how you call them. You have to be tactical. Um, I mean, that's true wherever you go, but you know, I feel like, uh, there's certain spots that I, that I know are heavily pressured, but because of how I call them, I call them a little bit differently than, than you traditionally would want to. A lot of guys, like, let's say you have a big, a big area of ground, the temptation or what I did for a long time is uh the first season i'd call them like if there was the correct wind i'd call it from the outside right like if the wind was in my face i'd call from the outside in hoping i'd pull them out and i i couldn't kill a darn thing well the next year i was like okay i need to change up my strategy here right and like we talked about they smell people all the time so i'd hike in on let's say a traditionally bad wind i'd hike in there right in the middle and i'd start calling from the middle out and I was killing, I had two, I had a double coyote and then a, I killed, so last season I killed on two different stands, a bobcat and a coyote on the same stand, just because I employed that strategy. And a little bit, a little something I want to say about bobcats, which is super important and something that I've really started to stress on a lot and it's improved my bobcat numbers for people that care about that is, um, and I think I've heard you say it before, like we call in more bobcats than we even know about. Right. Oh, yeah, and so what I started doing uh, at the end of my stands is I started really scanning. Like even if I shot a coyote, I resisted that temptation to like run out there and grab the coyote and, uh, and cheer about it. And I started just scanning, like really carefully looking. And I got two bobcats that way on the same. I had just shot a coyote. So I'd been playing rabbit. I'd been playing pup distress. I'd been playing all these crazy sounds that normally you'd think would turn a bobcat away. But that bobcat just sat there and watched it all go down. 
And I ended up shotgunning both of them that way. And, uh, and another thing about bobcats, I was, I was hunting the other day and I had a bobcat come out of a tree line 180 yards away. Okay. And just sit on the edge of that tree line, a big opening. And so I've got it in my scope and, you know, I've got my swaggers. I'm on a side hill and dude, I'm like, that's a hard shot. I mean, for me, 180 yards, a tiny little bobcat like that. And your heart's beating. You're on this super awkward shooting angle. And so I decide, you know, those bobcats, they're not as tuned in and sharp as coyotes are, you know, with, with, with certain things. And it was far enough away. I was like, man, if I can just close that distance 20 yards, my shot rate, my probability of actually getting that shot will go. And the, the bobcat was facing me, right? Chest on, sitting there like a statue. So I army crawl 20 yards behind another mesquite tree, cut it down to 160 yards. And dude, I'm going through every sound known to, to mankind to try and get that <laughs> bobcat to budge. You know, and it's just not doing it. It's yeah. just like nothing. So I close that distance, get proned out, and I execute that shot and kill that that bobcat at 160 yards. And so just thinking outside the box like that, resisting that temptation to, to pull the trigger on a 180-yard shot when you could actually make it a 160-yard shot, um, that was a huge learning lesson for me. Where I was like, man, I, I need to employ that tactic you know, more often because a little bit of movement might not freak out a bobcat like it would a coyote. Yeah, it's interesting. It's all, and once again, it's all about weighing stuff, right? It's weighing the risk versus reward. That's at the end of the day, that's yeah. really what coyote hunting is all about. You know, you're you're making educated guesses, you're weighing risk, you're weighing reward, trying to find the happy medium, looking at probabilities. It's you know, yeah. it all it all comes there's it's nothing's cut and dry, that's for sure. No, nope. <clears throat> well, buddy. What uh, what's your Instagram handle? If anybody wants to follow you along, I know you post some stuff on there through oh, your man. little coyote hunting yeah. adventures in in Arizona. That's right. Yeah, my solo hunting trips there. It's a coyote <laughs> operator, all one word. At at so at coyote operator on Instagram. All right. Yeah. Yes, sir. At coyote operator. Yeah. Well, good. I expect to see some some stories. You can do like me and just do stories, like Instagram stories, and just maybe hope that people watch them. Right? Yeah, I love, <laughs> dude. I've been watching. I've been watching your stories. They're great. I love watching along. That recent trip you had was awesome. And you know, if anybody wants to message me, and uh, you know, heck, I don't mind getting on the phone. I need somebody to talk to about my coyote hunting trips. All my friends are over it. You know, they, yeah, <laughs> they don't want to yeah. hear about it anymore. But you know, just man, I love talking coyote hunting, love talking predator hunting, uh, anything outdoors. Uh, I'm all about it. Heck yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been awesome. Hey, thank you. Thanks for taking the risk, man. <laughs> no, you know, it's been awesome, man. Well, I want to thank everybody else for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, also want to thank all the sponsors that make this podcast possible. We got Sig Sour Optics, Swagger Bipods, Hornady. Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Silencer Central, Cryptech, Juniper Mountain Coffee, and Onyx Hunt. And, of course, Eastman's for bringing this all together for you guys to listen through. Uh, if you got, uh, you know, any questions, comments about the podcast, you can hit me up. You can go to my website, which is coyotecraze.com. That has links to my social media, my email, things like that. Uh, love to hear your feedback. Um, but, uh, but, no, that's all we have for this one. So, until next time, we'll catch you right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast.